0: and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty-gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Hardcore Podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined with Mary Otten. Hi, Mary. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Good. No worries at all. It's lovely to have you on. Um, and yeah, let's just get straight on into the episode. So we'll start with a quick fire round just so the guests can get to know you a little better. Um, so how old are you? I'm 26 years old. 26. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what... With that, we'll go into more detail of your training and everything and blah, blah, blah. But on a basis, where did you train um, in like ballet? Um, and where did you then go on to dance? And any, I know you all went to pursue education. Um, and then, so where are you doing that, basically? yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so i trained in germany mostly at uh gymnasium essen werden which is like a school and um, in cooperation with folkland university and then i also trained um, privately for a while and did lots of summer schools and master classes and all of that and um, and then i danced um, mostly as a guest dancer with um, alto ballet and um some other companies that are quite small and do like local tours and um, but mainly I'm a freelancer and most recently I worked with Sergei Polunin's company um, Palunin Inc. Mm-hmm. exciting
0: um we'll get on to every, <laughs> everything everything exactly. and, and
1: also uh, yeah. education yes I went to um, King's College London and Sciences Po Paris and I did uh, geography and economics
0: exciting yeah. um what, uh, what point shoes did you wear or do you wear when your dad's in?
1: I wear Grishko point shoes. Okay, Grishko. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the Grishko 2007, if you okay. want to be very
0: specific.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I um, occasionally try other ones, but that's uh, been the one that has worked so far.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. It's interesting. I actually haven't, don't think I've spoken to anyone who's um, worn Grishko's, actually, or at least re- for a while, I haven't heard anyone wearing Grishko's. So. Yeah, they're not
1: <laughs> popular, um, and I, I dabble into Freeds, but the yeah, I don't know. The Grishko's just work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't wear Freeds, so I don't relate to everyone wearing Freeds, but <laughs> um, what is your favorite leotard?
1: At the moment, my favorite leotard is um, by Z Dancewear, which is mm-hmm. a Russian brand and um it's very simple it's just a cami leotard which is quite bright red with nude um straps mm-hmm. it just makes me feel like like a go-getter you know Yes, yeah. confidence in class mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm enjoying that's it.
0: good yeah I know I know which leotard that is <laughs> so, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I recommend it. It. <laughs> yeah no all the z dance stuff um when you said that I wasn't sure if you were going to say there's like one that's got a square neck and like it's I think it's three quarter sleeved
1: yeah they also have those and, and that's quite a popular one, style yeah and the, uh, they they also have the ones with the different color straps yep. but to like I'm a bit more basic
0: than that <laughs> yeah I don't know how I feel about two color straps I feel like it will work for some people but yeah I agree with you <laughs>
1: You're throw me off in the process
0: yeah um and what is your favorite choreography that you've either learnt and have, have performed or learned and haven't been able to perform yeah um
1: so my favorite choreography or piece to watch that unfortunately I've never performed yet um is A Million Kisses to My Skin by David Dawson um, I'm a big admirer of David Dawson in general
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I um yeah I really like pieces that don't necessarily have a story but I'm more about kind of the purity of the movement and the mm-hmm. the vibes mm-hmm. um, and then the my favorite one so far to learn and to dance has been um, Emeralds by Balanchine just because I um yeah I like the freedom in it
0: Mm. yeah oh really nice choices um and what is your favorite food um so I am a big pastry fan mm-hmm. my
1: favorite food are uh, cinnamon buns and for oh. anyone from the UK Gales cinnamon buns particularly uh, yes
0: <laughs> I've seen I went into Gales for the first time like last week
1: <laughs> yeah okay revelation I saw them
0: and they look really good um yeah. I'm vegan so I couldn't have it and I was like oh my god but like it looked so good
1: yeah, I'm sure they will do a vegan version soon. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've- I love making cinnamon buns. I've actually got some upstairs, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into kind of your journey um, in dance. How did you get into dance? Was it more than one style? Was it just ballet? And then what did that journey from, you know, I guess your first introduction to then training more professionally and what did that look like for you?
1: yeah for me i um apparently was dancing a lot in kindergarten i loved it and um just out of context um and my kindergarten teacher said to my mom that i should do ballet because um there was at the time there was a lot of like new ballet classes starting up and Mm -hmm. she had noticed that i enjoyed dancing and and she said it's you know good for discipline so my mom sent me because a lot of my friends were doing it Mm -hmm. and um I enjoyed it and quite quickly i started doing more of it so i started once a week and then suddenly i was doing twice a week and then um i was very lucky in that i was from a city in germany from essen where they have a school that does offer full-time training alongside just normal school um and that was relatively close to where i lived um And I I kind of wanted to go to that school. It wasn't so much about the dancing. And then um, my mom kind of asked, you know, they're also having this dancing vocational training. Do you want to do that? And I just said, yeah, I like dancing. Why not? Mm -hmm. And and then I kind of was was in there Mm -hmm. and suddenly was in full-time training and it was um, half ballet, half contemporary dance. And we also did a bit of flamenco. Mm -hmm. But um, to be very honest, my whole of like vocational training time I wasn't very committed to it emotionally Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me it was more a a side thing which sounds silly because I was doing it every day Mm. and more than school work actually Mm -hmm. Um, but I think um, what yeah yeah I just didn't take it as a like a job kind Mm -hmm. of preparation and and growing up i know a lot of people struggle growing up in a in a ballet kind of space and i think i was lucky in that and um, in spite of all the sacrifices you obviously make in terms of time and mm-hmm. um, it gave me a lot and it was a space for me to kind of clear my head and and get away from stress and you know just school subjects and mm-hmm. all that. Um, yeah and then it was only after i left uh, school and started university that i took it more seriously
0: okay interesting (laughs) um yeah how was that I guess like so when did you finish your vocational training was that at like 18 19 so those whole and when did you start how old were you when you started so I
1: started um dancing when I was five Mm -hmm. and then I went full-time like vocational I still did normal school but I went uh like more vocational when I was Mm
0: -hmm. um probably 11 okay is that correct? Yeah, so secondary school. Um, okay, yeah. Yes. About, yeah, it'd be about 11. Yeah. So for those from 11 to 18, yeah. did you not really, I guess, like, see it as something that you want to pursue um, as a job? No, yeah. I didn't. Um,
1: I was very much enjoying school school yes. as well. Um, and I think the unfortunate thing about ballet is that um, you are one of many, many, many other young women girls wanting to do it and you don't always get a lot of encouragement when it's not clear that you're going to be a star mm. um, Whereas whereas oh, school school felt like a much more encouraging mm. um, environment mm. because i was doing well and my parents are from an academic background so it that felt to me like everyone was saying mm. and also it feels nice when you get positive feedback so so that was an, an environment that i saw a lot more prospecting for myself than. Mm dancing um
0: yeah yeah no I actually think that's really interesting because I think I think that's true in the sense of getting I mean every environment every school system whatever like that in that terms of ballet is going to be different but I do agree with that unless the teachers or the faculty or the artistic director sees like star not even just like Core, but like principal soloists, and they only, I guess, like pushed, and then so many people like left aside, and even people that could go on to dance professionally, like they're more than capable of doing so, just won't because they don't have that self belief.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't that people were telling me, "Oh, you shouldn't do it" mm. or something like that, but mm. there, with school, people were telling me, you know. Yeah, you're doing really great. And what are you, you know, what are you thinking of applying for for university? Whereas nobody, none of my dance teachers, um, was asking, you know, which companies are you interested in. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure that's different in different schools. But I am, um, yeah, I think it was just more always very, very clear that it is very competitive and it is hard. And I felt that was made very clear to me. Mm-hmm. And everyone, I think, has a similar experience that, you know, growing yeah. up in ballet training, we all know that Um, Mm. it's not the most like yeah go for it follow your dreams Mm.
0: yeah yeah no but I definitely well I don't know maybe it's like different for everyone but like when I think back to school when I was at school I do feel like it was more it was like more people were encouraged like if you think about like a class setting like at least you know say the top 10 of the class are encouraged to pursue Mm. this and go off to a good, you know, Russell group uni. But then in ballet, it might be like one is encouraged to like, well, not, not, and it's not like the others aren't encouraged, but it's like that one is maybe one or two are really pushed significantly more than the rest of the class. Very, you know, it's going to be different everywhere, but that's something I experience. And then like, if I look back and do compare it to my like education, education, Prior, like it's completely different the level of support but obviously you know ballet is very competitive and we know that like that's just yeah. <laughs> it's weird but it's an interesting point actually because i that has made me like think i'm like oh yeah yeah
1: i uh, know and i think you know that that affects people on both sides yeah. particularly people who are in between um, yeah like I was at the time I think the feedback you receive from people around you in those different spaces you know affect the choices that you make
0: yeah especially at that age when you don't even know yourself so you are well some people know but like you do rely a lot on kind of validation from teachers and other people and it's hard to make that decision all on your own um yeah (laughs) Yeah, absolutely <laughs> um going on to I guess like when you then left but your full-time training um what did you go on to study out of that like where what did you decide to kind of go and study first yes so, so I,
1: I um I decided to go and study geography and economics mm-hmm. because, um those were geography was something that I found really interesting mm-hmm. and I wanted something to do with uh a bit more maths and numbers as well. So I added economics in mm. and um, I did that. So then I moved for that from uh, Germany to London because I okay. wanted to go uh, to a good uni. And of course there are good unis in London, mm. but at the time I was very, you know, no, it has to be on the ranking table, Yes so blah. blah. Um, so I went to King's um, and then I also did a year in France um, at Sciences Po. And so I, I did a bachelor's degree. Okay. Um, and that was good. Mm-hmm. That. I enjoyed that I liked that, and I um, I learned a lot, um, but I it also made me realize how much I missed ballet and how much I missed dancing. And I remember, particularly my first year, sitting in some of the lectures and uh, and thinking, oh, I'm you know I'm getting restless and I want to move and mm-hmm. and I missed that uh, that creative outlet as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that, that, that's what happened next. And then um, I was kind of thinking about, okay, do I go back to uh, dance? Do I stop my degree midway? Um, but I got uh, quite a serious back injury. And so I couldn't dance for for a couple of years as well, um, which meant that then I, I finished uni. Um, uh, but once I finished, it kind of worked out well. My, my back got better. And then I had this sudden kind of new enthusiasm and urgency to dance that I mm. didn't have at school that then um helped me I think have that drive to um go back into um kind of professional level dancing
0: mm. that's really interesting because I haven't heard I guess like much people talk about taking like quite like that's quite a large chunk of time off in yes, dance yeah. um and you know I'm sure there's people listening now that I don't know they wouldn't ever kind of think that it's I guess possible to take time off and then go back into it because it is because you are kind of just taught that you have that it has to be this like you either it's like a you either stop completely or like it's a really weird thing when you think about it because technically you can just go back to it if you feel like it like who why not who's setting the rules like <laughs> I mean <laughs> yeah. like no I think it's um
1: it's not I think there's a couple of things about it. The ballet industry is very streamlined in yes. that um, it is easiest if you go, mm-hmm. you know, vocational training, company, and then you rise through the ranks. Um, yeah. It's it's hard if there is a break in there somewhere, and it's mm-hmm. particularly hard if it's a longer break, whether that's because of an injury or choosing to do something else or um, whatever the reason. So, I would say going back is for me this this definitely wasn't the easiest journey. Mm-hmm. And I think um, if you want to have an easy time with ballet, well, maybe, I mean, maybe don't do it. But yeah. um, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, but I, I think um, then again, you know, like any industry, and um, it's there are possibilities and there are options mm. to uh, to go back if you really want to. And then yeah. and even if you if you do all the things right, you know, you still need a bit of luck and you still need a bit of uh, goodwill on the side of the industry to let you in. So,
0: yeah, Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's either way. Like, I think a lot of it is, you know, I don't know who I think I saw someone say that like, like a large 50% of getting work is luck and then the rest of it is everything else. Um, but it is, I mean, it must have been hard getting back into it after a few years off. Um, how did you make sure that you kind of like were able to build yourself up slowly and mm. that you didn't get injured? Because I mean, I guess that's it's, will be similar to people coming out of COVID and coming out of lockdown. And I mean, like people, you know, having to do with that anyway. But like, how did you go about kind of getting back to maybe like where you were before or like the strength and the level? you were mm-hmm. at like how did you go about that
1: yeah i was very fortunate with um so the back injury that i that i mentioned mm-hmm. uh, that was coming to an end um with my university studies mm-hmm. and um it was very unclear what was going on there mm-hmm. and what i did mm-hmm. is i went to see a specialist in uh, germany mm-hmm. um and uh, anyone looking for a specialist in germany <laughs> <laughs> send me a message um <laughs> But she uh, works in a, a big rehab facility, specifically for dancers. So I did um, a month there of just, you know, rehab and physio and gym work and stuff. And um, that was amazing because it gave me a kind of basis of strength mm-hmm. and uh, just having the courage as well to move again, because mm-hmm. a lot of it is psychological, yeah. um, particularly when you've had time off. Mm-hmm. And then it was a long, long, long time of consistent work Mm. and I think of course you know and I think that is the most important thing you have to be smart with how you work and you have Mm. to be intelligent and listen to your body and I know everyone says it um, and we're all so bad at it because we all want it so much Mm -hmm. Um, and and during that time of rebuilding I had my fair share of setbacks and injuries and every single time was just you know starting slow again, not pushing too much. And it, it feels so frustrating, but I think really the main attributes that helped me through that time were um, a sense of tenacity mm-hmm. and, and, and patience. It just takes time, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, so what I, what I did then coming back, I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of class, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, I did a lot of gym stuff. I love Pilates, swimming, like stretching all the things yeah
0: mm-hmm. all, yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I can imagine that was difficult um were you in London at this time or did you go yeah. back to germ- yeah so you did stay yeah, in, so in the UK
1: after I finished my rehab I came back to London I finished university mm-hmm. I was I just had to write my final thesis um which was about financial markets <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> and, um, and then what I did is I I kind of, I knew, okay, I want to do this professionally again, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not employable right now. So I took uh, a while, I think like at least half a year, maybe a year to, to work myself up again. Um, and at the same time, I worked part-time at the university as a research assistant. Um, so, so in a way I used that background that I then had uh, in academia and uh, that allowed me to then, yeah, I mean like support myself.
0: And, mm yeah that's really great um what were some challenges I mean kind you know you did kind of mention it but was it like hard well I assume it was hard mentally but like how did you get through the challenges of getting back to a point where you felt you were employable
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of it is mental like you said um <laughs> yeah so how what was that like
1: um, that was mixed, and um, I think anyone in ballet knows. You know, you have some days where you feel amazing, and then suddenly the next day you feel really weird. Yeah. Um, so I, I had my first share of that roller coaster, uh-huh. and um, it was a couple of things. So I, um, I think I really wanted it, and I um, I was journaling a lot, and um, I think, and still today I do this, I keep referring back to, you know, what I wrote down in my, in my journal of why do I want this and what is important to me and Mm -hmm. what is my vision for myself as well, um, to have it kind of clearly written down when you can't see it for yourself, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, I think that, um, and then I always find it really helpful, even if it's just like one or two sessions to speak to a sports psychologist, Mm -hmm. um, because it's helped me really see how much my mind and my mental state is impacted by what's going on with my body. Mm-hmm. And particularly when you're in a space where you're not in a routine in terms of work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you feel a bit, you know, like a bird just flying around, you don't really know where to land. Um,
0: yeah, literally. <laughs>
1: yes um <laughs> i i find that quite helpful mm-hmm. and the last thing for me is i um i am a christian mm-hmm. and i felt very clearly called and um, to to be in this industry i felt very certain that that was where i wanted to be and where um god wanted me to be as well um and then i just uh stuck to that belief
0: yeah
1: i mean you know anyone in ballet we all even if you have the most like direct journey into employment Mm -hmm. and continued employment we all have moments where you kind of just keep going Mm -hmm. you're not feeling it every day yeah yeah
0: Yeah. no I definitely relate to that like (laughs) it it's hard sometimes it feels easier to stop but at the same time you just have to you just have to keep going like I just I don't know whether (laughs) it's so weird and it's really um people who were listening and kind of in that similar position where they like you said feel like a you know they don't have a set schedule in terms of employment and maybe being in a you know working or whatever Mm -hmm. um and feeling just like a bird kind of aimlessly flying like I really relate to that and I know a lot of others will too because it is you know coming out of COVID has been a really weird time especially you know more than usual but who knows I mean there's always limited jobs it's just uh, <laughs> yeah it's crazy
1: but I think even in during those times mm-hmm. at least for me um of course I have days where I don't enjoy the actual act of dancing and that's quite scary mm. but um but usually I also have the majority of days where I do enjoy the act of dancing itself and that I find quite grounding because it means you know at a very basic level I want to do this
0: mm. yeah no I agree and I think that's kind of a good like indicator to feel like you know like if it's feeling like a drag of every day of trying to force yourself to do class and that just is a continued feeling of you know you're not enjoying it then i don't know like maybe you do have to reevaluate what you want to pursue but again we all go through bumps we all experience the more difficult times so yeah definitely have to keep faith somehow (laughs) yeah um going on to I guess then you know reaching that point where you're like okay we're gonna start trying to get work Mm -hmm. what was that like as a kind of freelance you'd done your BA yeah yeah um yeah what was that like for you um
1: that was, that came with all the um, efforts and frustrations of auditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to go into it too much because actually for me, auditioning wasn't a very rewarding or successful route. And mm-hmm. um, I so far have not gotten a job through a single audition. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very lucky in that, um, I got a lot of small jobs through friends mm-hmm. so I am um, particularly when you're freelance I do recommend making friends
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, and then I um I got a job uh so my first kind of big freelance job was um with uh with Sergei Polunin mm-hmm. and, and that was because Johan Koberg, the choreographer uh, was at Pineapple which is a open classes yeah place in London and taking class and I was in the same class and um he asked me if I what I was doing and if I was free in August that year and um so so that's how I got my my first freelance job and then from then on I went to do that and I met people there who either later um got me other jobs so I did a tour with a Russian company with someone I met there. Mm -hmm. um, And then I did a show with Alina Kozokaru in London just before the pandemic, because I met her on that uh, production. She was dancing Juliet. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my jobs then come from connections. Mm. Uh, That was what that was like. And that actually, yeah, I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier. It does require a bit of luck because I Mm -hmm. wish I wish I could stand here and say oh if you're freelance and you want to get more jobs do this but actually I um yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah
0: no but it's interesting and I appreciate your honesty and I'm sure a lot of people will as well because I think there's kind of just a misconception that well I don't know but it's just like it does like I had a friend recently and she told me she like she'd got this job um of touring with like a company in the UK and she was like oh yeah like I got it because a friend, um, you know, a friend was like, are you free? We need someone sort of thing. Um, And it's crazy because you think, you know, and this is what I always think. It's like, oh, you know, if you stop now, like you, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to message you and be like, Hey, like, we need, like you never know. And I think with freelancing, that's a lot more common than people think is like having connections. Um, It's like, it is, because why why hold an audition when you if you know people that can do the job? Like it makes yeah. more sense.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so for me, what that what maybe what I would say helped me a lot was um I am quite serious about class. Yeah. So that means even if I'm taking open class, I do take that relatively seriously. And I make sure I'm there and I'm there consistently. And when I'm in there, I work and I, you know, I think sometimes if you're freelancer, or even if you're in a company, you know, you can lose a bit of morale mm. um, and just see it as a kind of space to do you, mm. which it is. Um, but I also, I so for example, I think had I been in that, I mean, I don't know that, but but I, I definitely think, you know, had I been in that class or on that job, um, not taking it very seriously, I don't know if I would have gotten so many opportunities.
0: Mm. No, I definitely, I agree. Because people can see hard work, and like you can, I don't know how to explain it, but I think in situations where you're freelancing, they they need someone who they know is going to get the job done, mm. and they know is going to be capable, but not incapable in necessary, like a just a, like a physicality and kind of technicality, but also in like a work ethic
1: mm. way, yep.
0: like that is important, and people can see that.
1: Um yeah, I think it's a lot about professionalism. Yeah. And well. um, because you know, everyone can do pirouettes everyone can lift their leg nowadays. and mm. um, in that we're all so replaceable. Mm. Um, so I think people want to have someone who beyond that has kind of the qualities as a yeah, as a professional, as an athlete mm. and as a as a collaborator almost, um yeah. to be there and show up and be mm-hmm. reliable and um take care of themselves in a way. particularly. Yeah. If freelance you're a bit um you know you're not so sheltered so you need to be someone who is yeah more and um, what's the right word autonomous
0: mm. yeah um kind of going I guess like if you do, I guess it just as a general question um when it comes to freelancing did you have to like have a job that wasn't dancing to support you
1: yeah Yeah. Um, so I continued doing the university job, okay. mm-hmm. um, all the way through,
0: mm-hmm.
1: through COVID, um, <laughs> and through COVID, mm-hmm. um, to me that was a really good job mm-hmm. because it's very flexible. So uh, anyone thinking about working in academia, it's uh, it's great because there are deadlines, but um, it's you you don't work with people the same way you do if you work in a cafe or in a service industry or something mm-hmm. like that. So. Um, you can work on your own schedule and that meant that I would so my my kind of day structure was I would do class in the morning Mm -hmm. and then go to the gym Mm -hmm. and then work and then do like stretching and stuff in the evening Mm -hmm. social stuff we also
0: yeah
1: yeah Yeah. Um, that's that is what I did but then of course when I when I had jobs and in the end it was becoming a bit of a problem because I then was getting more jobs so mm-hmm. I would have to take more time off because what is difficult is if you're on a job uh, and you're on a contract and you try to also do some other work um, I always I did that once and I um I then did never do it again because I couldn't I felt that I couldn't focus on the dancing mm-hmm. and um Yeah, I guess it's about priorities and to me my priority was the dancing and I wanted to be able to be present and as I said you know Mm -hmm. show that I was serious about it and and I just felt I didn't have the time for that
0: yeah oh no that makes complete sense um yeah it's interesting because I think I don't know what people think but like I think when it comes to freelancing sometimes you need that side job sometimes you can't have or you you can't split your energy and you need to decide where you want to put it um But, yeah, did you find it, I guess, like, this is more for people who are looking to kind of maybe go to pursue freelancing and, you know, I mean, I've even thought about, I have no idea what the future holds, but, like, I do kind of always think, I don't know, like, is it scary not knowing? Like, how long would you have, like, things booked up till or would some stuff happen so last minute and you're, like, not sure if you're going to be, working or earning like was it scary
1: yeah um um, yeah and it continues to be scary yeah um and i think this is an okay space to say this Mm -hmm. um it's not necessarily by choice Mm -hmm. that i freelance um i you know i also wouldn't say no to a company contract Mm -hmm. um but but then again, the really nice thing about freelancing is you get to do things, you get to do, not that you don't get to do exciting projects in a company, but with freelancing, I have gotten to do some, some projects um, mm. that have just been amazing. Mm. And that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And yeah, some of them have, have come quite last minute. Uh, it's often, you know, I randomly get an Instagram message that is like, hey, are you free, you know, yeah. next month? um for three weeks mm. and um the scary thing is that kind of organizing yourself because mm. you need to be financially stable because you because you just do yeah obviously <laughs> <laughs> um, and you need to be able to achieve that in a way that still gives you the flexibility to take those jobs when they yeah. come mm-hmm. and so yeah that is scary and that is also very inconvenient mm. and i i but but I also know some people who love that and mm. who are so glad they have that flexibility and who say, mm-hmm. you know, this I as an artist get so much more out of the industry this way than if I were just in one place all the time. Mm. Um, and some people also really enjoy having that agency for themselves mm-hmm. and being able to, yeah, have those self-leadership skills that come with being a freelancer and almost operating as a business for yourself um for me I um I would say I do see both sides of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think if you're thinking about freelancing that um, planning aspect and the uncertainty that comes with it is something that you should take quite seriously mm-hmm. because it can be um frightening
0: mm. yeah yeah <laughs> no, I, I can't imma- Like I can imagine and I guess like I mean, yeah, I wonder how many people do go into freelancing out of choice, but rather more just like that's just what they have to. Like that they don't currently have an op like they don't have like an option that's like right there. It's not like, oh, okay, I have a contract or I go freelance. Like sometimes <clears throat> it just ha- like it just happens. Um, and everyone is going to be completely different. And some people will thrive off that, like you said, or if not thrive, but just like enjoy that freedom and mm. that even might get a bit of adrenaline from the uncertainty, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I, uh, I also know people who've been in, uh, you know, big companies and have left because yeah. they want to freelance because they say, I you know, I like being my own boss and deciding what projects I get to work on. And, mm. um, yeah,
0: fair. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> um, oh, trying to think... I think that's all of my questions kind of going on. I know you mentioned about the re- the research project that you're doing at the moment um, about keeping ballet relevant for the modern audience. Could you speak a bit more about that? Because I'm intrigued and I think it's a very relevant topic.
1: <laughs> yeah, Um. so I have, throughout COVID, one of my ways of, and actually I've recently discovered this for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I am a freelancer, but you know, we're all artists Mm -hmm. um, and through COVID we've all struggled. And um, something that I really discovered for myself is actually changing my mindset and thinking more about creating opportunities for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And one way for me to do that was I looked a lot into funding for dance related um, projects one of the projects that I applied for and that I got funding for was a research project um, from the German state of North Rhine-Westphalia's Office of Culture. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm from. And um, they enable dancers to do uh, an artistic research for two months, mm-hmm. roughly, sometimes longer, sometimes less, um, from Germany, but also from abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the project that I'm doing which I am doing at the moment, is called um, Classical Tradition, Modern Society. And it's about how do those two come together? So how, you know, obviously the classical tradition in itself is is an evolving thing Mm -hmm. and and quite fluid. But um, what I'm doing is I'm interviewing a range of directors and creators and people who work in the industry Mm -hmm. to ask um, about very practical measures and experiences that they've had where... Um, where they've been able to really connect to the audience that we have today Mm -hmm. and what i'm hoping to get out of it is kind of a almost a glossary of inspiration and practical things that uh, anyone in the industry can look at and can can use particularly producers creators directors Mm -hmm. to say okay these are some things we can do to go more towards the audience and make this tradition that we have more kind of accessible and fresh and um, maybe attractive not that Mm -hmm. And, and I, in any like I don't want to say in any way that that we aren't relevant. I think we are very much so. Um, but I think it's important that we keep working on that because there are some people, a lot of people actually, that we aren't relevant to.
0: Oh, um, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I I think it would be nice if we could change that a little bit. Yeah. So that's um, what I'm doing at the moment, and um, it's also a nice way for me to bridge kind of my skills in research and in academia with um, this industry that I do care about a lot and that Mm. um, I think we all want to see flourish.
0: Mm. Definitely that's really interesting Um, and I think I don't know like ballet does have a lot I guess going for it in the sense that you know there's a lot that can that needs to be changed Mm. Um, there's a lot of possibilities within kind of i guess the art form for whether they have been you know whether people are using those those possibilities or not um but i'm intrigued to know like when you've have you like spoke started what you said you're in mid of research um have you what have you i don't know can you tell us what anything that you've found (laughs) anything that's like maybe just like a common thing that you've realized or found out so far
1: Yes, um, yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's going to be a report in about three weeks, but okay. um, so, so then you can read all the things that I found. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing people really talk about a lot, mm-hmm. and very common, are production elements that aren't dance. So things like costume or lighting yes. um, and collaborations. So using those spaces to bring in artists from other fields who would have different experiences, different points of view, um, to create a different experience in a show because when you're watching a, a ballet production, it's not just about the movement as much as maybe we would like it to be. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, and I don't know for you, maybe as a dancer, it often feels like that is the most important thing. Oh, yeah, it's a, yeah, <laughs> that, um, yeah, but I had people talking about how. Um, lighting can change um, the the feeling of an entire show and can make someone connect with something emotionally much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, then I had another person talk about themes, deeper themes, and um, it was really interesting. Um, We were talking about the Nutcracker and how essentially it's a it's a coming of age story of a young woman um, and how we can show those things, but maybe in different ways, how it's maybe not always about an expensive Victorian family party, but it's about um, a a very universal theme Mm -hmm. of growing up. Uh Um, Yeah, and it's about exploring those things and what else is there to, you know, just doing Fuertes on stage and that we can tap into and um, and explore as an industry
0: yeah oh that's really interesting and I guess I'm really I'm excited to read the report because I don't know like I just think it's something that needs like yeah there does need to be more research on that because mm-hmm. otherwise how do we make ballet grow and as we grow
1: mm-hmm. um yeah it does I think there is an element of natural growth in ballet. because it is a uh, performed art form and as we as you know people grow and society grows and our physical abilities grow mm-hmm. ballet naturally adapts to it to a degree
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but I think also it's a bit of a space to dream you know and oh absolutely okay, what what else can we how can we push it further and how can mm-hmm. we be even more relevant and even more um, yeah.
0: ahead of our time even
1: sometimes yeah
0: um, well yeah <laughs> definitely and I think yeah that's very that's important to allow I think especially just like younger people to be more interested in it um I mean it's going to be different everywhere but every time I go and see a ballet I just like it just makes me realize that the majority of the audience just like kind of over 30 and I'm like (laughs) I'm scared (laughs) like (laughs) like what's gonna happen um in the future so it's in like I don't know that's something that I'm interested in is like kind of how do we get younger dancers not even dancers like younger people mm-hmm. younger people with influence in the seats yeah um that know know
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no I agree I think there's so many things where we you know can do better and can do more and I mean often unfortunately it's an issue of funding yeah. but um, but that aside, I think also it's good to just put it out there and say, hey, this is what could happen and what we would like to happen. Um, and particularly with with the younger people, I think it's a lot about education and um, relationships with schools. And um, and there are some like amazing initiatives. And actually, I, I know dancers who've gone into ballet and into a professional career that way. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think um I also would like to see more young people in yeah
0: <laughs> yeah no definitely um I'm trying to, is there anything else that you want to touch on or are we kind of good to wrap up and uh, obviously you can let the listeners know where they can find you and when where your research will be and all that good stuff um
1: I don't I think i do have anything else to say but i no actually maybe i do okay, I go for it <laughs> and maybe this is the theme of the podcast mm-hmm. um my my this episode maybe yeah. um i think it's important that we as dancers um remember that you know we can also do other things um whether that's for me that at the moment that's research um i hope it's not research forever i hope it's maybe also other things um at some point but i think sometimes we feel a bit limited in the Mm -hmm. industry Um, and I would encourage other people maybe to explore their options um, even if they are less conventional and even if it yeah sometimes makes it a bit harder Um, yeah I think that would would be it
0: yeah no I think and I think that's great because we aren't we're humans before we're dancers and there's so much that we're all capable of and sometimes we shut the other things out just to Mm -hmm. focus on ballet so well especially ballet um and especially with COVID I mean I don't I'm intrigued I'm sure the listeners people have kind of delved and found other joys and I hope that people do continue finding those joys outside of dance because it is important to explore what you can do
1: yeah and not to say that that has to like come at the expense of dance at all I mean I guess your experience is also you're doing this podcast, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's very much like a successful venture, and um, and it's connected to ballet. Mm-hmm. But it's you know you are more than just the dancer, and, yeah. And, and 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 yet you are still the dancer, and very valuable as that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> it's sometimes yeah, it's it's a weird one. Is trying to like not connect what you do to like your whole identity. Um. So yeah. yeah. Um, Yes.
1: Um yeah, so that's that. Um I how can people find me? I mean, I am on Instagram. Um I have a website as well, um which is linked on my Instagram. I'll link it in the podcast description as well. That would be great. Um yeah, and I always, you know, I really enjoy this industry in the sense that people are super collaborative um so if any of the listeners um do want to get in touch I'm always super happy to hear from other people um Mm -hmm. I think you know it's already such a hard job let's um let's make it easier (laughs) for each other
0: (laughs) yeah no I agree um yeah fab thank you so much Mary for coming on really enjoyed today's Uh episode and I hope the listeners I'm sure they did enjoyed too um yeah Thank you for having (laughs) me. It was a pleasure. It's all right. No worries. Um, listeners, you can hear me same time next week as always. Um, have a lovely week, and yeah, bye.